back in my day, we had Big Mama. So a lot of people will look at women, you know, because I know this is this idea that kids listen to their uh, father more than they listen to the mother. But back in my day, Big Mama didn't play. We listened to Big Mama. <laughs> so and if you had a Big Mama, you know what I'm talking about. Life, he has to fight his demons, change his perspective, leave behind the life of lies and scheming. When your family's at stake, there's no impunity. Every choice he makes can trickle down to his community. Building foundations from hard work and patience. These are the lessons we'll be passing down for generations. A place where men won't just accept their fate quietly. Welcome to the modern dad society. Welcome back to the Modern Dad Society podcast, where we understand that our children learn from our actions, not just our words. We believe in personal development highlighting the powerful influence of staying present and making conscious choices and shaping our lives and the legacy we pass down to the next generation. I am your host, DeShazer, and I am pleased to be here with you before we have a lot to talk about. But before we get started, I do want to make a habit of doing something that I typically do on my own as a practice, which is have a moment of gratitude. This is the part of the podcast where I call it the host check-in. So, um, so wherever you are, I want you to join me. This helps me move into the podcast without feeling rushed or getting, you know, my adrenaline kicking too much. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, wherever you are, I want you to join me on this. I want you to have a moment of gratitude with me and I want you to really make this a common thing for you because it's changed my life. I usually do something like this when my family sleep. I will look at my girls, look at my son, my wife, and I'll just have a moment of appreciation and gratitude for my family. And in order for you to get anything in life, whatever that may be, you have to appreciate where you are in the present moment. So this is what I like to do. I like to close my eyes. Whether you're at work, you know, at home, you know, if you're driving, don't do this. Don't close your eyes. Disclaimer. But just breathe in. In, out. All right. So. Obviously, if you do this on your with yourself, you know, you take longer time to do this. And it's to me, like I said, this is enriched my life immensely. So it's definitely something that you should consider doing on a normal basis. But uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and move in. Like I said, I have a lot to talk about. I'm excited because I wish that I knew some of this information early on as a parent. So I'm blessed to be able to know this now and I can share this with you. So, um, and excuse me for the, the hard breaths on the mic. I'm just moved to a different state and unfortunately not all my equipment made it with me. And so, um, so this, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a rough ride for a while until I get me a, a, a pop filter. <laughs> all right. So let's get into it. Um, this is episode one, part two. If you have not listened to part one yet, please go back and listen to it. You can listen to it 
now or you can listen to it after this but you definitely want to listen to part one um, part one was powerful and that was knowing yourself as a father being self-aware what we highlighted or i'll highlight it it was uh an exploration of self-awareness and fatherhood and we were diving into powerful facts on the impact of fathers and discussing self-awareness to how it directly influenced the family so we are on part two knowing yourself as a father mind chef mindset shifts for positive parenting so knowing yourself as a father mind the mindset shifts of positive parenting and so in this episode we're going to dive into the pivotal role of mindset and parenting emphasizing how different mindsets influence parenting styles in the parent-child relationship so i'm excited to get into this with you before i do i want to make sure you know that we are on and i say we because i noticed i was listening over to the podcast and it was probably like who's we you know it's just you no we my wife helps me out with this with marketing and everything so i if you catch me saying we i don't have an imaginary friend it's my wife so um so yes we have uh we're on all platforms so twitter instagram facebook just not YouTube right now, uh, but we are on X. We are on Twitter. Sorry, it's a hard time for me to get into this whole X thing, but um, I'm going to say Twitter because we all know what Twitter is, but we're on Twitter. On Twitter is Mod Dad Society, okay? Because evidently, it's too many words. So I didn't really think about that when I decided to do this, but we'll work around it. <laughs> so make sure you, you're following me on these platforms on Twitter is I'm still getting used to the culture on Twitter, but this is where I'm going to put all my news and updates and inspirational quotes, tips, and advice on there. And um, on um, TikTok and Instagram, I'm trying to create some content that's going to be uh, very informative and hopefully entertaining, but make sure you follow me on there. So what I would like to get into today is uh, start out by talking about the role of mindsets in parenting. Okay, so the understanding of parenting mindset is the understanding that refers to the attitude, attitudes, beliefs and perspectives that shape how parents approach their roles and responsibilities. Okay, so. Well, let's let me break it down. Okay, so let's let's look at the attitude. Right. So. This represents the feeling and evaluation towards parenting, influence the emotion tone of inter, uh, interactions. And then you have the beliefs, with this, uh, which is comprising uh, convictions about what is right or effective in parenting. Um, and it dictates the values instilled in children. This particular one right here, I've noticed that a lot of parents who are together have challenges with, especially when it comes to religion. I know some parents who have different religion beliefs. One's Christian, the other one's Jehovah Witness. One's Muslim, the other one's Catholic. It's it exists. It's there. It's a real thing. And so a lot of parents have a hard time trying to distinguish and figure out how they want the kids to be raised. I'm not going to dive into that today, but I'm at least going to give you a good foundation to start when it comes to understanding the uh, understanding different identities and how you can interact with your kids, especially if you have more than one. Okay, 
Um, the next one is perspective. So um, in a broader worldview, uh, a parent holds a guy's decision-making and overall parenting philosophies. So it's important. So the importance lies in, reckon, in um, recognizing that these components uh, collectively determine the methods, strategies, and responses um, parents employ in various situations. So for example, for instance, an open and communicative mindset aligns with a authoritative parenting. And we'll get into what all these mean shortly, but, um, it, it's more, it's with a, it's has a, it's an authoritative parenting and it's a supportive environment that balances warmth and discipline. Um, another one is more of a lenient one. Uh, which is the uh, permissive parenting. And then you have more of a rigid and controlling mindset, uh, which is often associated with authoritarian parenting. So um, there's are there's are three different parenting styles. Um, and, you know, the parenting mindset becomes a lens through which parents interpret and engage with their roles, significantly influencing the parent child relationship and the long-term development of the child. So in essence, understanding the and consciously shaping one's parenting mindset is pivotal for fostering a positive, supportive, and growth-oriented family environment. And I'm going to say environment a lot because this is important to understand when raising kids. The environment matters. How, the, how you set the environment, how you create the environment truly matters. And this is what our children take, these are the values that are instilled in them, um, or they're able to instill values better when they have a more positive environment. And I mean, you know, positive values. So let's, let's look, let's dive into this, right? So authoritative parenting, right? And it's, it's an open and a communicative mindset and parents with this mindset set clear expectations and boundaries while also having a supportive and nurturing environment. So this style promotes a healthy balance between warmth and discipline, and it encourages independence and self-regulation in children. Okay. Then you have the permissive parenting, right? And um, this style um, with this, people, parents with this mindset um, may be um, less inclined to enforce strict rules, allowing children considerable freedom. Uh, while this approach can cultivate creativity and expression, it also may pose challenges in setting necessary boundaries and expectations. Okay. And this right here is most like, and it doesn't matter, you know, uh, father, mother, it, you know, I had back in my day, we had big mama. So a lot of people will look at women, you know, because I know this is this idea that kids listen to their uh, father more than they listen to the mother. But back in my day, big mama didn't play. We listened to big mama. <laughs> so, and if you had a big mama, you know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> um, so despite of what people may feel, um, you know, it, you know, there are mothers who, who are a little bit more assertive in their, their parenting. So, um, and then I've seen fathers who are a little bit less, you know, they kind of let their kids do whatever they want which is pretty dangerous. And let me take time to, to, to say, if you're, if you have a child on TikTok, okay, that is a problem. All right. I'm not going to even sugarcoat it. Get your kids off of TikTok. 
Okay, I don't care if TikTok came out with a kid's version. Get them off a TikTok. Don't be permissive in this aspect thinking, oh, well, let them express their freedom. Absolutely not. Get them off of TikTok, become aware of what they're doing, set boundaries, set rules when it comes to the safety of their mind and what they consume. Okay. All right. The next one is authoritarian parenting. Okay. Parents with this mindset emphasize obedience and discipline, sometimes at the expense of warmth and emotional connection. So this style can lead to a structured but potentially restrictive environment. Um, impacting a child's autonomy and self-expression. So me personally, I like to lean more on the authoritative. I find that having that balance, having that warmth and openness is something that has worked with me in raising specifically my daughters. And I will give you an example. You know, my oldest, Ava, she's seven years old. She, I, I've realized that, which I appreciate, I realize that she's comfortable telling me certain things that she thus probably wouldn't be comfortable doing if I was more snapping and I shut her down for her feelings, the way that she felt. For example, you know, one day we were driving and she told me about this. Uh, first, she was a little nervous, but not because she was scared, but because I'm her father and she was shy. And so my youngest uh, daughter, Genesis, was like, oh, tell him, tell him. She's like, no. She's like, tell him. I was like, what's wrong? What, tell me. Talk, talk to daddy. Talk to Papa. Papa D. <laughs> and so um, what she told me was that, you know, there was this boy that she had a crush on. And so, you know, instead of, you know, doing the cliche, um, overprotective, overbearing father response, <laughs> you know, oh, you don't need to be like an old boy or whatever. I just start asking questions. Oh, what's his name? How old is he? You know, and this exercises communication. Because let me tell you something, you're not going to fight a war in that moment when a challenge or something arises that makes you feel uncomfortable. No wars are won with our kids in the moment of confusion, frustration, and unknowing. And typically what I like to do is I like to take time to um, to contemplate, to, uh, you know, process the information that I received. And then we'll go back and have that conversation later. My daughters, um, I walk them to the bus stop every morning. And in that walk is when we usually have those conversations. Besides, for some reason, Ava, she loves to have serious conversations anyways at the bus, you know, you know, walk to the bus. I don't know what it is, but she wants to talk about you know, things that she disagreed with, you know, um, about me and, you know, rules that I made or whatever the case may be. I already know and anticipate that walk is going to be a, a deep conversation too early in the morning, but I'm open to it, you know, especially she's willing to communicate. So I have these conversations with them and I have this open communication. I exercise this very, very often. And, but what I don't do is when she tells something to me that makes me feel uncomfortable I'm not quick to shut her down because if I do, then what's that, what's going to happen is she's not going to feel comfortable to tell me things later on. She'll tell me anything, you know, really almost too much. Some things I got to pass on her mom, <laughs> you know, you know, my wife, like, Hey, I need you she's talking about stuff that I don't have stuff that I ain't going through. <laughs> you know, So, you know, some things that I'll, I'll pass on her mom and say, Hey, 
why don't you talk to mommy about this? Because, you know, she's a woman and she has similar anatomy as you, you know, you, you get what I'm going with this. So, but I respect the fact that she feels comfortable talking to me about this stuff. Genesis based off her personality. It's if, and I'm only, and we'll go deeper into this too, when it talks about different personalities, but, uh, her, I have to be very careful because if I say one thing wrong, she shuts down, she gets that from her daddy. <laughs> so I got to be very careful about, you know, the communication or how I respond to her, um, because she's a little more closed off. So, um, so yeah, I, I try to balance the authoritative, uh, parenting and I want to be warm with her. I don't want her to feel because there's a lot of things in this world that she's going to go through and she's going to need communication and advice from her father. So by shutting her down now, then I'm closing that off for the future. Um, and then, you know, the beautiful part about it, and I've learned this in modern day trends, um, which I have to talk about this all the time because this is the modern day society, right? Um, fathers are embracing nurturing roles. They just are. It's not like it was back in the day. You know, it's a positive shift that reflects evolving societal norms. Unlike in the past, you know, when tight work constraints often compelled fathers to be away from home for extended periods, today's fathers are breaking free from those limitations. And this transformation is not only acceptable, but it's also commendable. It's highlighting the societal progress towards more inclusive and flexible parenting dynamics from the fathers. And so, you know, I think it's a beautiful thing and it's, it's great because there's opportunities for us to work at home, to have our own businesses. You know, it's not like brick and mortar like it used to all the time. You know, we can create that, that life for ourselves when we were more present in the homes of our children. Oh, and by the way, shout out to the stay-at-home dads. I'm much love. I'm never feel judged. Don't feel bad. Don't let anybody say anything bad about being a stay-at-home dad. I told, I used to be a stay-at-home dad when my wife was in the military. It just made sense. She was working in the military, making more of the money, making consistent salary. And just babysitting was like $300 per child back then. Now we lived in Forest Park and you know, you can have your different opinions, but you know, where we were, it was a rough part of town and there were people who could watch our kids, you know, and, and, um, that we knew that she knew my wife, you know, but I didn't really trust that area and I didn't trust the, uh, how do you, the environment to which they were babysitting. So I was, you know, willing to either watch the kids or pay a little bit more money for that safety and security. But Hey, if you're a stay at home dad, I have respect for you. Do your thing. You know what I'm saying? You, you, someone once told me I'm, I'm called a house manager. I said, mm, I like that. I'm a house manager. And so, uh, I heard someone else say domestic engineer, call it what you want, but there's nothing wrong with that because I guarantee you it's a blessing. There are dudes speaking in the military who will probably are in the military away from their family who would love to be around their kids more. So have gratitude towards that. I appreciate you. There's nothing wrong with that. Do your thing make it happen. When I stayed at home, I didn't work, but I did have freelance jobs where I was a little more flexible to leave the house after she returned. So I did want to say that because that was something that really bogged me down as being a stay at home dad. When my wife was in the military and it seemed like the roles were switched. So, um, yes, just want to put that. So, um, 
So yeah, and, and speaking of differences, one thing in our family's journey, okay, if you know us, you know that uh, we just moved to Houston from Phoenix. And in Phoenix, uh, there was an amazing school that was run by the Black Mothers Forum. They created this school specifically for black children. Why? Well, because it was easier to target the education, the curriculum that was unique to that culture, that race, or whatever you want to call it. So the girls learned a lot about themselves being young black women there, uh, which I highly respect for what they did. And this is why. There's nothing wrong with having diversity in school. Don't get me wrong. But being here in Houston, the girls go to a school now that is, there's not a lot of girls that look like them there. My oldest has locks. So some kids are curious to why her hair looks different from theirs. So understanding and having a good knowledge of these differences and being able to explain that to them so they can, you know, have those conversations with their predecessors, their age is important. So it got me doing some research because I want to figure out the best way to convey these messages or communicate this to, you know, in a way that it's accurate and it's understandable. And I was doing research and I found this lady, Kimberly W. Crenshaw. Hope I'm saying her name right. But uh, she's a pioneer. Uh, She's a pioneering scholar and writer on civil rights, critical race theory, black feminist legal theory, uh, uh, and race racism in, in, in the law. In addition to her position at Columbia Law School, she is a distinguished professor of law at the University of California in Los Angeles. And she has explained this understanding of something called intersectionality. Forgive me, because the more I say it, I feel like the harder it is to say this word. But um, what it is is that she explains the metaphor for understanding the ways of multiple forms of um, inequality or disadvantages sometimes compound themselves and create obstacles that often are not understood within conventional ways of thinking about anti-racism, feminism, or the social justice advocacy structure we have. And so her goal is that she would like to see as, as my, as, as myself as well, to see this implemented, these practices implementing in school systems, because everyone is different. It's not just, you know, the minorities, you know, everybody has different ways of thinking, different ways of responding. They have different personalities. So in general, it's important, important to understand that everyone's different and but specifically, when you look at intersectionality in parenting, it's a nuanced and essential concept that recognizes that diverse identities and experiences within families. Um, and it highlights the interconnectedness of social categories such as the race, gender, class, ethnicity, and more, right? And so how they shape an individual's experience is key in understanding. Um, in the context of parenting, um, knowledging intersectionality means understanding that each family member brings a unique set of identities and experiences that intersect in complex ways, influencing their perspective, challenges, and needs. 
So this should truly prompt parents to move beyond the one size fits all approach and consider the individual individuality of each family member, each child. So for instance, a child's experience in the world may be significantly different based on the factors like race and gender. And recognizing these differences is crucial for providing tailored support and understanding. So intersectionality challenges traditional norms and stereotypes associated with parenting roles, encouraging parents to question and redefine um, societal expectations. And forgive me if you hear my dog barking in the background. We got a Morky Poo and she barks at the wind. So I can't control that. Um, so, um, so practicing intersectionality, um, or I'm sorry, practicing intersectional parenting involves in creating an exclusive and empathetic environment that, that values and respects each family member's identity. Um, I, I can go deep into, and if you want more of this, you can let me know because there are typically there are no, not typically there are four different personalities that every single person falls under. My wife and I took classes on this. Uh, we have a coach that teaches us on these personality traits, and this has significantly changed the way that we respond and the upbringing we have with our children. This has changed the game to the point where we can pinpoint the personalities of all of our children, and it lets us know how we should respond and navigate through you know, conversations and understanding who they are as, as individuals. And I'm not going to go into it on this episode because I can go deep, but just know if it's something you want to know, um, it's something I can teach you and it will change the way that, you know, the dynamics and structures of how you raise your kids. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. It's crazy, but yeah. So, but both of my daughters are different. Even my son, he's different. And, you know, just the other night you, so I don't let my daughters get on the iPad. Um, during the week because it is, you know, I want them to focus on their study. I don't want them to get distracted and just have too much entertainment. And so uh, they asked me if they can watch iPad. I said, no, no iPad. You can color draw. Normally my oldest seven-year-old Ava, right? She'll have the issue with it. She'll be upset about that. But strangely enough, my six-year-old, and it's usually my six-year-old, will, you know, like whatever, I'm going to go draw or color, whatever. But my six-year-old actually had the issue and Ava didn't. And my six-year-old just pretty much was bawling, just upset. We had to do this horror deal. Caught me off guard. I almost gave in. I felt so bad because it didn't, it caught me off guard because usually we know how to anticipate based off their personalities, who's going to do what. And so for this particular day, you know, um, Genesis was upset about it. And, um, and, you know, we had to have a conversation when, and, and kind of spend some time and helping her understand, you know, what was going on. We think she was just in her feelings. So. You have little girls, you know how that is, <laughs> but, um, yeah, she, 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 she had a huge issue. And so understanding and being aware of these is important and, you know, and that's why understanding the different personalities is important and it requires active, um, listening, learning and adapting to the unique needs and challenges that arise from the intersection of various identities. So. I'm, I'm, this one right here is really important that I want you to understand because I, I notice a lot of parents don't really have a different approach when dealing with each one of their children. 
And you have to do that. If you're at work and, you know, someone is talking to you, somebody who talks to, you know, me back in the day, (laughs) but back in the day, you know, if it was like I'm at work and, you know, someone's talking to me the same way they talk to someone from New York and I'm from South, I'm from Atlanta. Right. So, you know, we can have a little bit less uh, um, acceptance towards aggressiveness, <laughs> if you will. I had a friend, he was from New York. He used to always tease me. You know, he used to call me sensitive. You know, every time I started, he would say something and I'd be like, dude, you're just too hard. He'd be like, shut up. So I learned to, you know, get a thick skin. But um, yeah, back in the day, he's pretty aggressive, you know, so you can't talk to me the same way you talk to someone from New York. Right. And so, um, so it's important to have those differences. Um, so by embracing intersectionality, parents can contribute to having a family dynamic that promotes understanding and appreciation. So laying the foundation for a more harmonious and enriched experience for the family is implementing this understanding. So I just wanted you to be mindful and understand that when you are raising more than one child, you have to have more than one way of responding and communicating to them. And when I say mindful, let me, let me kind of make some clicks. I know I've said this before. And for the ones who don't really understand what mindfulness means, let me kind of give you an explanation, right? So when we look at mindfulness or mindful parenting, it's actually grounded in Buddhist philosophy. And it's, you know, it's a transformative approach that emphasizes being fully present and in the current moment without judgment. So it's actually rooted in the principles of mindfulness and meditation. And this philosophy encourages parents to cultivate a heightened awareness of their thoughts, emotions, and actions as they engage with their children or in life in general. But for this, you know, since we're talking about our relationship towards our kids. So understand that by Focusing on the present without, you know, undue uh, preoccupation with the past or future present can have a deep connection or give us a deep connection with ourselves and our children and how we respond to everyone around us. And uh, it gives us a genuine understanding and, and compassion. So mindful parenting involves letting go of the automatic reactions embracing non-judgmental acceptance and creating space for open communication. And this is what I was saying when it comes to having these conversations with my daughters. And if it's something I don't, I don't, that kind of throws me off or makes me uncomfortable. I don't respond per se in that moment through my emotions. I allow myself to sit and process the information and then I'll come back to that conversation again. And so, in essence, this philosophy provides a framework for parents to navigate the complexities of parenting with a centered and calm presence, and it promotes a more meaningful, harmonious relationship. So, I did want to explain that because I know that for me, this was new for me, probably like, I don't know, some odd six, seven years ago or something. I wasn't really understanding what that meant. And quite frankly, um, you know, for people who are grew up in the church like me, um, mindfulness or meditation was looked at as um, something that was 
um, evil. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. And, but for me, when I read certain verses like Psalms 4610, right? When it talks about be still and know that I'm God, these are certain things that I understand when it comes to breaking down um, what it means to be mindful, right? Um, because it serves as a, you know, correlation to the practice of mindfulness and meditation. So in the verse, the, uh, the directive um, to be still, the understanding of being still implies to call to inner quietness and getting rid of, you know, external distractions. So this resonates with the core, um, with the core of mindfulness and meditation where people aim to cultivate a state of, you know, present moment awareness by quieting the mind and letting go of the mental chatter. So the phrase, know that I am God emphasizes a deep um, understanding of the divine presence. So I just kind of want to explain that to make it as clear as possible what it looks like. This is nothing to fear. If it's something that you're not used to, this is nothing to be scared about. Um, if you look at the um, research shows, I don't have it on me right now, but I can give you reference. The research shows that certain practices like meditation has impacted people's lives immensely. And it helps with having that mental clarity, that inner peace. If you look at people like uh, he's this guy I really love is um, he's a neurologist, a neuroscientist. And um, uh, his name is uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He talks about what this has done for his life. He healed his own body through um, meditation and and, you know, being cognitively aware, cognitively aware of uh, his own condition and being able to fix his situation had a lot to do with mindfulness and meditation. So again, I don't want to overwhelm you. I know it's a lot for some people if it's something you're not used to, but it's something that I will talk about a lot because this has been a huge game changer in my life. It's helped me become more of a calm person. Even when um, I used to do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, um, I used to roll in competitions and pretty much, you know, when you wrestle. And um, I've learned in the beginning, I would be very tense and I would tire myself out, but I've learned to actually calm my mind in the instance of rolling where it helped me think better to be more strategic in my strategies and tapping out, if you will, my opponent. So this, this can be done even outside of just stillness, but this is a huge game changer, changed my life. And, you know, I know it can change yours. So again, if this is something you want to know more, about I can definitely teach more about it or give you references. So, but uh, with that being said, I, this is pretty much the uh, what I had for you today: the mindset shifts of positive parenting, and really just being aware of you know um, how you are approaching your parenting styles with your children. Um, so, if you have any questions about this, hit me up. You can shoot me a message or. Um, Send me a voice recording if you want me to play it on the episodes. I will do it as well. But um, I'll also be uh, posting a lot of this information too on social media just to have something written down that you can see. So uh, thank you for joining me uh, again. Please uh, follow me on all platforms and uh, make sure you're up to date with all the information. Uh, my 
passion and goal um, for this year is I want to start doing some events for fathers. And I want to uh, really just celebrate fathers. That's, that's, that's my passion is celebrating fathers and being able to shine a light on the fathers who are living out their life with the principles that, um, or the uh, values that the modern dad society has that holds. So uh, thank you for joining me. So with that, uh, one thing that I like to tell people all the time that I want to be in the core of your being is to stay present and be conscious. Thank you. And I will see you on the next episode of the Modern Dad Society podcast.